Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. I'm April. And I'm Caroline. And this is your bloody happy hour. Caroline, are you ready for this? This is your newest guilty pleasure. It's the bloodiest part of your week. Did we say something about it also being happy hour? Showed in. Because we're about to be sipping on some murder. Bloody happy hour. We are here. OMG. We are back. What? Who are you and what is this? Um, This is, I am April. Oh, you are? <laughs> Caroline, can you tell us um, who you're going to talk about today? Um, and why did you pick this? Okay. So, today we're going to talk about Beverly Carter. She is a realtor. Uh, this is the one? Yes, this okay. is the one. This is the one. Okay, so y'all, I was um, I was out at lunch the other day, and I I ran into a acquaintance, a friend I know, who is a realtor in town, and is Beverly a realtor too? You said yeah, that. Beverly. Okay. That the story is about Beverly, and she's a real estate, and she's a she's a real estate. She agent. was a realtor. Formerly. She was formerly in Arkansas. Okay, so. This is kind of what, so I, I like, I watched an episode, I watched Dateline and I was like Beverly Carter. I watched it about her real estate stuff. And then like literally the next day I ran into a friend I know who is also an agent in town and I'm connected with her because she, uh, actually had hired my, uh, we're going to call my ex-husband Dirty Chad. Ooh, I like the new Okay, so she actually had hired Dirty Chat, and so she was having lunch with another lady I know who's a uh, works at a jewelry store in town. Okay, okay. So I know both of these people, and it was like you know, it was like, oh my gosh, it's so good to see you, blah blah blah. So let me just tell you, this is a story about a real estate agent, and before I get into it. This. You have to tell them the story about your real estate agent. I have to tell you he? about this little situation that happened. Okay. So like I said, I watched the Dateline episode. And when I ran into my friend in town, she like, she was having lunch. And so Dirty Chad uh, worked for this agent. But I eventually realized it was completely fake. And I have to say, this is... This is this is embarrassing for me, mainly because I'm admitting that I feel, I'm like I feel like the biggest idiot right now because of what I did to contribute to this, but it's like I I didn't know I thought I was doing something good and and this is going to be helpful for anybody who ha- is yeah. maybe going to be in this situation who may be questioning a relationship they're in. Or who may be doubting something they're being told. 
yeah, you're not the only one. Yeah. And so it's just like, go oh with my gosh, I feel so dumb. You're now. telling them to go with the gut. Yeah. Go with their guts. And here's the thing is when you go through something like this, you you got to talk about it to help other people. Yeah. Like, or there's no point of going through it. Right. Go. So, okay. I paid for, okay, this is my story first before I get into the story. I paid for study materials for Dirty Chad to, uh, that he needed to prepare to take his uh, test to become a realtor. Okay, so he was wanting to become a realtor. His family is all in real estate and everything. So I was like, well, that would be great. You're familiar with it. You have been around it your whole life. You've grown up with it. The thing is, there were so many that it's, when you get told so many things, I would get overloaded with all the different things. Like I couldn't, I could not keep track of it all. Yeah. I mean, it was like you worked here and then now you're working here and then now you're working here. But then somebody says that you're not working there because they know somebody who's in HR and they've never heard of you. And <laughs> yes. then I'm like, yes. and then and then when you show me a fake uh, W-2 or a fake paycheck that I realized I found out later was fake, I don't know where you even really did work. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. And and. It that that's a hard question to answer. Yeah. Okay. I because even I know the healthcare field. I know like what what would be SpaceX muted out if we don't need it. Um. Uh, I don't know engineering field. Yeah, like I I don't even know what that. I guess because he said that he did. I know the insurance fields. I know, like those are like. I know at least of three yeah, insurance. places he tried to be a trainer. I know for sure he, oh my gosh, see, I forget about those little so things. So I know of at least four occupations that he pretended like he, he worked really at like an to. outdoor furniture store, like a patio store. Yeah. And li- told them lies about stuff. He worked at SpaceX, which he did not actually work there at all because yeah. I found that out. And then um, Magnolia. Which he said he punched somebody in the face, so he, yeah, he said he left, but he didn't. I don't so know. there's, I mean, I mean, that's it's a just, lot. So now he wants to be a real estate agent, and so now, and then, but really, it makes sense because his family was so good. Yes, it makes sense. Okay, so he's so he studied for the test. He passed the test. He got hired on by an agency. He met other agents. He started going to appointments with them. He got business cards. He started doing appointments on his own. He was setting up meetings. He was closing deals. Uh, about a bit, yeah, about four to six weeks in, he was like, "Hey, I'm about to have a big like seven thousand dollar paycheck come in." Like, and this is like right before we go to the Caymans. I uh, don't even know. What, are you going to the Caymans to get married? This either time? married or engaged. I I don't even remember. It's one of the times. So yeah. y'all went twice, and one was engaged. One's one was, was engaged. Married. One okay. was married. And then, so, you know, of course, the check doesn't come. And so he said, so he and his uncle have the same name. Literally, just they have the same name. And his uncle's also a real estate agent in town. And it's not a big town. So, I mean, this is a legit, like, thing that you could you could buy this excuse. So yeah. he says that... Their license numbers were accidentally switched 
or like mixed up by the Texas Real Estate Commission. And it was because they had the same name and they were both living in Waco. And there, he's like, there's never been a situation like this. So to get to the point, um, Dirty Chad finally tells me that the owner of the agency he's trying to work for, who hired him, said that, oh, they had too many agents and that, you know, he just needs to come on as a referral agent. Meaning, like, if there's somebody who wants to buy a house, then you just let us know and you're not actually selling houses anymore. So this great job that he said he had that was doing great, making $7,000 after, you know, just a little bit, he now no longer has. Now he says that the, the, that the people he's working for are like, Oh, Oh shoot. Oh shoot. We don't, we don't have a position for you, but you can do this other position. Okay. And I'm sitting here like, Wow, that's like weird. Real effed up. So this somehow led to, you know, him not being able to get the seven thousand dollars, you know, and I can't remember all the details, but it sounded so sketchy to me. And I was so close to messaging the lady who was his like agent who hired him. And because I had met her and she was like the nicest person. And I mean, she just didn't seem like the type of person who would just hire somebody on and then just just say, oh, I'm just kidding. Like we hired on too many people and now I'm going to go, you know, I'm not going to pay you for what you've worked and I'm just going to like say never mind and like, she's a pretty big name in town so yes, you knew that yes like, and this she's is legit not char- her character right so from there fast forward but to, dirty chad is good at what he does right okay good. so we fast forward to um everybody one week before his cocaine overdose when i find out from him that he never even took his real estate test at all okay let that sink in never took a test so those scores that he showed you faked go he faked going to take the test he sent a screenshot of a passing score to me and the person he was going to work for fake ass score and m yeah and shocking the reason he could not get paid was because he had no license number because he wasn't licensed. Yeah, he did not exist. So not only was I fooled, but the agency was also fooled about the whole situation. So what happened was, and and I found out this because the week before he overdosed, he was having like this come to Jesus situation to me. And like he was just like spewing all of these things like diarrhea apparent i mean i i quote fessing up to a lot of things which i you don't i can't believe you can't believe anything he says at this point so i don't i literally don't know what is and is not true but from what i was told so he told me though that he this is this is in that moment like before the admission of that he had lied about it. He was like, oh, I quit because he was about to be found out is what Basically, happened. Basically, yeah. And so I ran into the person that hired him 
a few months after he and I like started the divorce process and stuff and like at a dog shelter or something. And like, she was so happy to see me. And I was just like, Oh my gosh. Hi. You know, it was like, I wanted to message you so bad about everything that happened. And she's just was like, how are you? And I, we compared stories and we were shocked. Wow. She had no idea. She still didn't know that he didn't pass his test. <laughs> she just thought he just left. Yeah. She didn't know. Then, yeah, so she's eating So she's having lunch with the lady from the jewelry store. Well, I knew the lady from the jewelry store because that's where he bought my engagement ring. Okay. And I'm not even sure what happened there as far as the ring, but I'm pretty sure he never paid for the ring. And when I had it appraised, they were like, um, this diamond is fake. And I'm pretty sure he 100% pawned the diamond, put a fake one in, and I was left with the band, which was a real band. But um, oh. let me just say, welcome to my life. <laughs> this needs to be Patreon shit only. So this is what we're actually going to do. These are just little teasers. Teaser. <laughs> These are just little Appetizer. little side stories because whenever I come across stuff like this, I mean, and I texted the the lady who we worked. I texted her after I saw her at lunch, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, uh, it was so good to see you." By the way, be safe. Don't get murdered or kidnapped while you're doing real estate because I'm doing a story about somebody who got murdered or kidnapped. She was like, okay, bye. Oh, my gosh. So what's crazy is that her story today that we we are going to get to now, you know, because yep. it triggered all these yes. memories yes. because she's a real estate agent. Yes. Okay. So we have the story of Beverly Carter. She's a real estate agent. And this happened on Thursday, September 25th, 2014. She was beautiful. She was just like Full of energy. She uh, went out and it started as a great day. She, you know, had like recently won $50 in an office competition. I mean, she was living her best life being a real estate agent. At 5.15 one evening, her day like started to slow down. Beverly called her husband, uh, Carl. So she's been married for 35 years. She has three kids. And she was like, hey, Carl, I'm going to one of my, my last appointment at six o'clock. And she said, you know, um, I'm going to go show this house. And then for this couple, I'll, I'll go pick up some dinner and then I'll be on my way home. Well, what Beverly didn't know is that her clients, a man and a woman who had identified themselves as relocating uh, as a relocating married couple. Weren't looking to buy a home. Uh oh, dun dun dun! They had a sinister plot in mind. Uh oh, did they want to? I'm going to tell you what happened, and then I'm going to go into it. They wanted a threesome. That's actually what the perpetrator, okay, says after the fact. Oh, okay. I'm so good. You must be in true crime. So they had a they had a sinister. A plot in mind and they wanted to use Beverly to get quick cash. So what started as a great day ended tragically. Beverly was kidnapped. Her captors intended to obtain ransom money from her family. When ransom money didn't go as planned, Beverly's kidnappers became her murderers. She was killed in an attempt to cover up 
their initial crimes. The, the guy says, I wanted her gone, which words spoken by the murder, January 2016. And when they asked why Beverly, her killer explained that she was a woman that worked alone and she was a rich broker. Beverly's death was a devastating tragedy to her husband, children, grandchildren, extended family, friends, coworkers, and she had followed industry standards, safety protocols, but it wasn't enough. And her murder just, you know, it, it took over national conversation about safety and the forefront of real estate organizations. So this is her story. Okay. Beverly Carter. She was 50 years old, agent in Arkansas. So it was like nine o'clock PM. And she had was like telling that she was showing this house around six. Right. So she's, not home yet. It's like nine o'clock. Her husband is like, well, where is she? Why is she not back? She's supposed to bring me dinner. I'm hungry. She didn't show up. So he got super worried and he actually went over to the house that she was supposed to be showing to check on her. Okay. Okay. So he goes over there. He sees that her car's in the driveway. Her purse is in the car. And, but the, but the front door of the house is open. So he's like, what? Okay. That's weird. So he goes in there, looks in the house, doesn't see her, doesn't see anything. And then he calls the police. So, which some of the, some of the cops were like, oh, well you've like contaminated the crime scene. Yeah. And it wasn't even a tampered with. Yeah. Tampered with. So then, you know, that was obviously you always look at the husband first. Yeah. Or the spouse or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So he goes and looks and he's like, there's nobody there. They, they didn't find her. Um, and then they go and they look in her car. Nothing's, nothing's missing from her purse. Everything's there except Beverly's missing. So they're like, what the heck? Around 1 a.m. that night, her husband gets a text and it's from Beverly. And it's, and her, her coworkers, she's like best friends with her coworkers. Um, and so they all like the husband and the coworkers, they all get a text and it's saying, cause they've all like reached out to her like, Hey, where are you? What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And they reach out to her and nothing. All of a sudden around one, they get a text saying, Oh, I'm so sorry. My phone, my phone's been dead. You know, I have, oh, okay. my phone died. And then the husband goes to the house around 9 PM. She's not there. Her car's there. The front door's wide open. And then they're all looking for her and they randomly get texts from her because they're, they're like, Hey, where are you at girl? What you doing? And she texts back and she says like very short, like, Oh, my phone dead. My phone died having drinks with friends. Hmm. But the, but the friends who got the texts were like, who in the hell are your friends? Who are your friends? Like, we're your friends. Like we're going to be the ones having drinks with you. Yeah. And so, they were like, okay, this is, that's weird. And then apparently the coworkers, so uh, they have had a like code they set up because if you're a real estate agent, think about it. You're going into houses alone with people you don't know. So if you're going to meet with a yeah. man yeah. who you don't know, 
and you're going in the house and something's a little suspicious, then maybe you need a code word. I don't know. Or take somebody with you. Yeah. So she. Listen, everybody should have a code word in their life. I know somebody I have... who had a code word recently, and it was not for a good situation because they were cheating on their husband. Oh, mm. Mm. well, I've had a code word with my son and my husband since like zero years old. I don't and have any code still... words with anybody. We talked about that. Oh, we did. I forgot. Oh, we shoot. talked about that. <laughs> and anyway, and I was like, okay, there's one code word that if I text that to any of y'all, y'all text it into me. We do not even respond. We don't call. We call the police. This is like the 911 code word. Well, don't tell them because we... No, I'm not going to tell them. <laughs> Nobody knows this code word. But, you know, something we never realize is just how vulnerable, like, realtors can be and how their job is to meet strangers alone in empty houses. So Beverly and her coworkers knew the dangers of... Of everything, so they had worked out their code word, and their code word was red folder. Okay, so the coworker text like responded to her text message and said, "Just wondering if you put the red folder back on my desk." No response. Killer person had her phone. Like she didn't have her phone. He was sending messages probably to people. So why did friend? How did friend know to text red folder? Because she was suspect of the person that of because she, she said the the text didn't sound like they were from Beverly. Oh, that's what that's what okay. she said. Now I got you. So Go. so Beverly is not like it's from her phone, but it's not from her. She's tied up. Yeah, she's like bound. Okay, so it's like the guy who's kidnapped her. He's texting from her phone. So gotcha. then they're like, I guess in. I don't know how you respond if if you do have a code word. How does how do you even what do you say? No, uh, the red folder's on fire. Like what do you say? No, I don't know. Everybody has a different okay. If system. we had a code word, and if I was in trouble and I said my red folder, I lost it. Or I don't. Well, how do you to use me, a code if word? You, if anybody mentions red folder, you call nine one one. Okay, so her coworkers were uh, they got a response and. Uh, you know, yeah, they were, they were just, they were concerned. So Beverly had actually said that the, the guy who contacted her was a, a guy from out of town and she was initially concerned. She told him she would feel more comfortable if the man's wife would be there for the showing as well, which the man's wife got on the phone and said, yes, I will be there. So she never wanted to be with a guy in the home alone. So she was like taking all the proper precautions. She was making sure the wife would be there. Okay. And, you know, following the guidelines, doing everything right, except. Except. One thing. What is that? She was already in the house. Whenever the man showed up by himself. So then she was alone and she was obviously feeling trapped. So she gets to the house. She goes in. She had talked to the guy. He had said he was bringing his wife. He didn't. She shows up. She's in the house. Yeah. She's by herself. He's there. And then she's missing. 
the next morning. Poor Beverly. She tried. She tried to do all the things. Yeah, she tried to do all the things. So the next morning, okay, so she's she's missing. Her husband can't, like, nobody's got a hold of her. There's this, like, suspicious text message that's gone out. Uh, there's, like, 100 volunteers. Like, she's one of the top uh, selling agents in the town. Oh, she's legit. Yes, she's legit. But there was, like, over 100 volunteers gathered. They were out searching for her. They put posters out. They put descriptions, everything. So then they get the detective, Jeff Allison. He comes to the property. He's like, okay, I'm coming here. The circumstances seem a little odd. He noticed there was like some tire tracks by our house. And there was a neighbor who had noticed that there was like a black truck who had backed up against her front door and like backed his truck up to the front door and said, she said she saw a skinny white male getting out of the truck. So the detective also went into Beverly's car and found a notebook which had listings of um, the house she was showing. So he, Detective Allison, immediately, like, put a warrant out to, like, get the phone records for the numbers and the information that he found in the notebook. And he, it tracked it to two people, Aaron Lewis and Crystal Lowry. Okay. Okay, a husband and wife. So he finds, yes, so he finds this information in her car that is sitting outside of the house that she's showing. So Officer Allison goes to the house. He goes to Aaron Lewis's house. Okay. So they're going, they're just going to scope it out. They're not going to go because they don't really have any like hard evidence. They are just, they're kind of just like sitting outside of the house, kind of being sneaky. Yeah. Well, Aaron comes outside okay and he sees them he like sprints to his car gets in his car drives off speeds around the corner and ends up like crashing his car like a dumbass and like crashes into something and tries to run away but he's like bleed like his whole face is bloody and he can't get away the officers get him that they take a picture of him, they detain him, they rush him to the hospital because he has to get like a CT scan or MRI or something like that. And you're dumbass. Yeah, you don't. So here's the thing. I'm sorry, but uh, police cannot go back whenever a person is getting treatment. Oh, okay. So he leaves the hospital. <sighs> Hang on. Hang on. Bye, Felicia. He is gone. Bye, Aaron. Side note, they said in Dateline, they're like, he like sprints to this apartment and he jumps out the second story of a window. And I was like, well, did he just like find some apartment he knew? And he just like, I don't understand that part. But he he basically runs away. Okay. Like he runs, he leaves the hospital, he runs away and they try to find him. And they like, he's spotted like at a subway and they find him. And I then mean, he like, leave. it's like this movie. It's like a movie scene. Yeah. He like escapes the hospital Runs to a subway, a bystander spots him, he sprints to the nearby apartment complex, runs up to the second story, jumps out the window, yeah, this is and then like the cops get him, and they arrest him. Oh, so they do get him. Yeah, they arrest him, but okay. that's the whole story about how that happened. So, according to interview transcripts with police, so they've arrested him, and they said that um, but he basically was meeting up with... Beverly, um, under the guise of being a potential buyer. 
and that this Aaron Lewis had allegedly told Beverly, uh, you're about to have a very bad day. Ooh. I know, it's not good. Before subduing her and binding her with green duct tape. He also presented in these police transcripts, there was a voicemail left by Beverly on her phone for her husband, Carl. And uh, on that voicemail, she said, she's like asking her husband to comply with the Lewis's ransom demands for the money involving the police. And she says, quote, Carl, it's Beverly. I just want to let you know I'm okay. I haven't been hurt. Just do what he says. And please don't call the police. So while she's being held, she's having to like call, call her, her husband, husband and leave this voicemail. So she, she got kidnapped, allegedly got kidnapped yep. by Aaron Lewis. Aaron yep. Lewis. Yep. Now Aaron is calling family for ransom. Yep. Or husband for ransom. Mm-hmm. And then her response is pay it. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. She's like, I if don't you know call the, story, the police, so I'm say it'll sus. be bad. Just want you to know that I love you very much. And during uh, the questioning, like the officers have him. So they're questioning it. And like, because he's the one who's playing this recording. I guess he recorded her saying that. Like it's from his phone. Like he's playing it for the cop. He is wanting attention. So, so if I captured you and I was like, record this for your husband. Yeah. And I made you call it, but then you're calling it, but I'm recording you calling it. Yeah. So then now I have my phone and I'm saying, oh, this is what this, I have. Yeah. So basically he's trying to tell the police that she's still alive. That's what okay. he's trying to do. Okay. And so the officers are like, okay, um, are you guaranteeing us that this, that she's alive? And he does answer. And and he was like, depending how long it takes. I mean, oh, I don't know. And he said, how long can a person survive without food and water since yesterday? You'll figure it out. Oh, gosh. Yeah. He was just loving the attention. So this is what happens. Are you ready? Ready. Aaron Lewis, the suspect, took the police 30 miles away to a shed on the side of the road and was like, oh, this is where she is. Oh, I'm no. sorry. No sign of Beverly. Oh, he's no. just playing. She was never mouse. in there. Then he's like, I love this attention. So then he takes her, takes the officers to another location, another 30 miles away. And guess what? She was not there. Never was. So finally, the officer, Allison. Why is he playing games? I, I guess he just likes attention. I don't know. I think his mama didn't pay good attention Finally, the detective was like, Lewis, or Aaron Lewis, is Beverly at Argos Concrete Company? Company? Is that how you say company? Company. (laughs) (laughs) So the detective was like, is is she at Argos Concrete Company? This is a place where Aaron previously worked, okay? And what he did was he was... Looking down at the table when they were having this, he looked up and he just gave like a smirk. Like that. Oh. Like that. I wish they could see you. <laughs> I did too. That was a beautiful smirk. So basically his face was like, yeah, yeah, bitch, that's where, you, that's where she is. So four days after Beverly's disappearance, police officers arrive, arrive at the concrete plant and an officer stumbles 
across an elbow sticking out of a shallow grave. Mm. And it was Beverly. Aaron Lewis was charged with murder and kidnapping, and his wife, Crystal Lowry, was charged as his accomplice. Eventually, Crystal takes a plea deal with a 30-year sentence, and she testifies against her husband. She testified that Lewis was responsible for the act of killing Beverly, but she said they kidnapped Beverly they brought her to their house. Okay. And apparently the plan didn't go too well because they forgot to get her purse and her debit card out of Beverly's car. So then Aaron had to go back and get the card. But at that point, they like left Beverly alone in their bathroom and Like she was tied up and Mm -hmm. she was alone in the bathroom. But then they realized that they had like prescription, um, like medicine bottles that were on the table. Yeah. Or that were on the counter that had their names on them. So Crystal was like, she knows our names. Yeah. She had a killer. Yeah. She said, she has to die. That's exactly what she said. She has to die. So then that's when Aaron Lewis got Beverly, took, this is, the worst took her to the cement plant, wrapped her face in duct tape, oh, and let her suffocate. Oh no! Wow. The verdict was back in less than an hour. I mean, Aaron what Lewis. What is there to talk about? Aaron Lewis was found guilty for capital murder and kidnapping, given two life sentences. Beverly's family created the Beverly Carter Foundation, raising more than $350,000 to fund programs and developing training materials for agent safety. Uh, What did the wife get? She got 30 years. He got two life sentences. So it started off really as they thought that they were going to get some money they off were just of trying, her. Like they were just trying money. to get money. And then, I mean, there's, there's more particulars about it that I would skim over, but yeah. Who do you think is the real sociopath? Was Aaron or wife the mastermind? Oh, Aaron, for sure. So do you, when wife said, oh, we had to kill her because she saw our pill That's bottles. True. I don't, that to me made me think this was the, she was the one. She wanted the killing to happen and she just found a reason for it to happen. Aaron, I think, was not innocent, but... Was just going along with what? But he just had no feelings because he was like, oh, we just did it because we wanted money. Like, that's literally what he said. Like, he was like, I don't give up. Yeah. You know, it was like, bro, really? You don't but even But who would have even thought of that? Was it him? Was he smart enough? Or was it? Well, I don't know. Wifey. I feel like I think it. Or was it the nurse? I feel like he did. Hey, so um, I feel like we probably should end podcasts with life lessons and this is not victim blame blaming at all this is like hey you hear something and you learn from it because it's real life we've always said stay aware stay alive and always be d t f (laughs) down to find down to find the murder down to find all the facts bye later
This has been a Rogue Media Podcast. Thank you.